You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. This week on the 3DM's podcast, after that delightful bickering, we are going to do more discussion on the classes, and we are going to talk about Xanathar's Guide to Everything. All right, everybody. Welcome to the 3DM's podcast. We are, let's see, it is a lovely rainy Sunday, Sunday, November afternoon with some cold November rain, as Axel Rose would like to talk about. Before we get started today, uh, let's launch into our little pause for the cause, pay some bills really quick. Watchtower Comics and Games in Dexter and Milan, Michigan. They are kind enough to fund our show. Uh Stop in if you're ever in the southeastern Michigan area. Buy some dice, buy some cards, buy some comics. Help them out. They help us out. And uh, fun little aside last night, Ethan, at the at a very urgent-sounding Facebook message, went and opened the store for me so he could sell me my copy of Xanathar's because I was like, I need it! Give it to me now! So... And without it, we wouldn't be here reviewing this. So I can't, I can't blame else. you one second. Or for like for one second about wanting that. Yeah. Literally this entire show is owed to Ethan's generosity at yes. present. <laughs> yeah, and just viewers a... like you. Um, also, we are recording out of Podcast Detroit Studio in Royal Oak. You ever wanted to start a podcast? You ever uh, had an idea for a radio show you could do? If you're in the southeastern Michigan area, come by Podcast Detroit. Great rates, great studios. It's comfortable, it's fun, and there's drinks. Podcast Detroit, check them out uh, if you've ever wanted to start your own show. So, guys, we're going to start this week's show before we talk about classes and before we talk about Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Um, we're actually going to talk about something a little heavy, a little uh, a little sad. Um, long story short, a young man – I'm, I'm not going to say too much because I don't know the whole story, so I don't want to say something wrong or have it come off uh, misconstrued. But a young man by the name of Wyatt Ferris recently took his own life and – uh, his mother, I believe, has been making an impassioned plea because he was a very passionate D&D player. Uh, you know, uh, he apparently was a baseball player and a theater major, uh, to have everybody remember her son by including him as an NPC in their games. Yes. By including him as an NPC in the game, the, uh, hashtag, I believe here, I've got it up on Twitter really fast. Um, as technology makes our lives easier, it makes them harder. Yes. Uh, it was NPC for Wyatt or something along those lines. Uh, oh, I just lost it. Thank you, Twitter. You're you're a terrible you you terrible Twitter. You auto refresh is a double edged sword, ain't yes, it? it is. Uh, with that in mind, of course, uh, don't use temporary solutions to permanent problems. Sorry, permanent solutions to temporary problems. It's 
My well, heart goes out to their family, but don't do it. There's there's people who care about you. Anyways, yeah. So if anybody listening who's about to run a game or plays in a game, runs a game, whatever, uh, if you could make an NPC named Wyatt, apparently he liked to play paladins. He liked to play fighters. Uh, uh, Fado has pointed out in the comments, <sighs> uh, it is hashtag play f- the numeral four Wyatt and what, hashtag Wyatt NPC. All right. Thank you, Fado. Thank you, Fado. I think <clears> – <throat> Just to just to give my two cents into this, I think that it it does say a lot about the overall community of uh, tabletopping that this is that this is something like if we actually do really take this seriously, we we can make an impact even in a small way, uh, including an NPC like this in memory of a player. It, it, at the very most, it, for big picture sake, it it shows people that you know people do care about them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sometimes very hard to see when you're in that hole. Is that while it seems bad, uh, there are people who care about you, and the world is not so dreadful as a place as it may seem. And there's exciting stuff to go on for, like Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Yeah. Um, if you're struggling with depression and you're having a hard time, you can't get through the day. Please feel free to message any of us, even though we are of no professional help. We'll at least talk to you. And if you need someone to call, uh, remember the number is 1-800-273-8255. 24 hours a day. You're having a bad day. And everything seems like it's not going in your corner. Just talk to somebody. Reach out. Make a phone call. Try to figure it out. Because there's a lot more people care about you than you know, usually. And so... After that bit of heaviness, guys, how are we doing this week? Oh, I'm actually doing pretty good. I think uh, all things have gone my way, in my opinion. So, not too, not not too bad. I can't complain. <clears throat> sure. I apologize. I'm going to be hacking up a lung all day. I've been sick most of the week, but I'm finally feeling better, thanks to White Russians. He's got he's got that what we refer to as the radio chocolate. Yeah. Yes. Well. <laughs> so, last week we begun our uh, we began. Our discussion series on the classes, we got our way through Barbarian, Bard, and Cleric. And so this week, a boy, Clint, you are going to discuss Druid. We're going to try to get through Druid, Fighter, and Monk today. The other half of Codzilla. Yes. Yeah. Um, actually, I feel I feel a little intimidated right now because the professional Druid in our D&D game is tuning in right now. Tim did join. I saw that in the feed. Um, so I'm probably not going to do druids too much justice. Um, I wouldn't call but, him a professional druid. I'd say he's a high amateur druid at best, <laughs> mid amateur. Um, so the the druid is kind of interesting when it comes to uh, overall spell casting because, like when we covered uh, before, we covered like arcane magic versus divine magic, and druids are considered divine magic. <laughs> yes, it used to be considered nature magic, but that was merged with divine magic in third edition. I want to say D for it, it's like D for divine. Yeah, it's like they're it's like they're tapping into the divine energy of nature. I believe would be the, the best yes, way to try to justify it in the primal energy of the world. Yeah. Um. So. There's there there's a few paths that you can obviously take. Uh, druids' magic, just based off of the very stereotype of the class, are all. There's very few direct offensive spells in the druids' playbook, but that doesn't mean they're not good in combat because they have yeah. tons of tricks. Yeah, they're they're like, I mean, to make a to to make an Overwatch parallel, I like to think of druids as the Symmetra of the support class because they can they can get shit done. 
Yes, they can they help. Are. They can help your party tremendously. I mean, for God's sake, if you take the path of the moon, which is where if you're wanting to be a shapeshifter, that's where it's at. You can literally turn into a dragon. Fire, well, fire breathing abilities and all. Yeah, the the wording is somewhat unclear, but I think at least a wyvern is probably in the in the wings waiting for you. Druids of the moon are the shape shifting abilities have always been extremely strong, and the druid of the moon sort of cranks it up to eleven. Although, admittedly, over time it sort of falls off because the CR of monsters doesn't increase as fast as you level up. Yeah, yeah um, they they eventually they eventually plateau when it comes to uh, class level, from what I could pick up. Um, regardless of which path you take, well, or which circle you take, spellcasting druids. If we do, uh, if we do druids of a particular circle, yeah, druids of the land, where you pick a particular uh, particular circle and you add. Which there's like what six of them? Yeah, six different landscapes that you can choose from. Seven, Seven? I think it's six or seven, something like that. Uh, They they get rather powerful. I think they have the second largest spell list next to Wizard. It's either them or Sorcerer, but it's really close who has the second most spells to choose from. But late game druids can get pretty dirty. Well, as much as I hate to be a Debbie Downer, they are a full caster in a game which highly rewards spell casters. Yeah. And even if their spells aren't stuff like, I'm going to stop time and reshape the world, you still got things like uh yeah, so all the trees in this entire forest have animated and are now trying to kill you, which is horrifying. Yes, it's like Evil Dead or something. That was literally the scariest part of the Wizard of Oz: the terrifying trees. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, and the flying monkeys. Let's not forget the, the no, the monkeys. terrifying trees, man. Trees live near me. Monkeys don't. Well, I think it's a matter of opinion, personally. Fair, true. But, uh, Ultimately, what would you say the role of a druid is? Then you said they're the just, symmetra of support. Just, basically. just like I said, I feel like they're. Where where Symmetra in Overwatch is a, a somewhat of an offensive support, I feel like Druids kind of do the same thing. Like Druids, I believe, do have some healing, but they do. They've got it on their spell list. They just have as much. But it's not quite as powerful as stuff. like your cleric or your paladin or something like that. But their uh their spell uh damn I'm blanking on the name right now. But being able to like conjure up a space that uh, enemies can't move through lest they take uh, X amount of damage from thorns, you know. Yeah, so it, an entangle. Spiky, yeah, entangle. entangle spiky. Yeah. So it, it it's it's just stuff like that that it it doesn't necessarily buff and heal the party, but it makes the party's job easier because it can distract them. Yes, and uh, it can distract enemies from the rest of the party. So really quick, my take actually, I'm much higher on the druid than you two seem to be just because I'm what some would call a uh, outside of the box thinker, a corkscrew thinker as Sir Winston Churchill refers to it. Okay. And uh, yeah, no druids. I've, I've made some very uncouth requests of druids in our parties in the past. Um, But basically they have the ability to turn into any animal, which is cool. You're thinking, you know, yeah. oh, turn into a bear. You know, I'm, I'm going to bear, do a lot do of bear stuff by turning into like a rat or something. Yeah, you can turn into a rat. You can hide around. I used to play a druid um, who a could, you know, had disguise self because I'm I like that on my characters. I like changing my appearance at will because I usually do regrettable things. Um, and I had a lot of fun with him, though. <coughs> Excuse me. Basically. I had two forms. I would always use a lion when I was attacking because lion's fun. You know, I'm a big kitty. Uh, but then my favorite form to take as an animal was often that of a Pomsky. Ah, uh, yes. A Pomsky? Yes. yes. You see. Uh, as in half Pomeranian, half Husky puppy? Yep. 
and I'd walk around and be adorable. You see, there was one mission where we had to protect the noble, uh, the daughter of a noble. There was a, there was a killer on the loose and they were trying to hurt her. And so I was basically carried around as a purse dog <laughs> and I would report to Paul's character who was a paladin every couple of hours. And cause I would just walk over and I would wee on his boots and I, I would just look up at him with my little palm ski eyes and go human, take me to the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember this uh, because schlocky comedy is my bit. No, it's not. It's not that I'm not high on the druid. I I like the druid class. It's I, it's, it's cool. I think Final the druid is choice? much more dangerous than you think it is. Oh yeah, that's traditionally true. Uh, I mean, we had it. We had in our campaign with Jake. We had an army of druids flying on rocks, and <laughs> like, as in not R O C K, but R O C, the, the giant big birds. giant <laughs> eagle birds. Um, but yeah, final thoughts on druids. Uh, they're powerful. They're yes, cool. They're, they're really, really cool. They're top a four, caster. They top are top four. four class in terms of capabilities. They can do whatever they put their minds to. Yeah. A 14th level druid is usually at that point, like that person can start considering taking over the world if they're feeling like it. Yeah. But so as, as far as spell casting, would you say that they're uh, pretty, they're a step behind wizard? Yes, but their other abilities I think make up for it. I can agree. Yeah, but that's my thoughts on the Druid. So, moving forward. What's next, then? We're going to talk about one of my other favorite classes, and finally, finally, finally. The one that's been plaguing my campaign setting. Oh. (laughs) Hush, my sweet summer child. My tale has only begun. Um, We're going to talk about fighters, and... We're going to talk about how good they are in 5th edition. So really quick, diving into the history of the fighter. Uh, Once upon a time, in that OG D&D, they were the fighting man. I would like to play a fighting man. Yeah. And they were the only one who could use magic swords and most magic items, as a matter of fact. Because Gary Gygax hates wizards. He hates rogues. Basically, no, no. He he. His idea of the ultimate fantasy character is somebody who wears enough armor to make you blush, kicks down the door, hits you with a sword, and then walks out. So Conan the Barbarian. Yes. No, well, not Conan because Conan's naked. No, he wants he wants you in he so much plate. No, he wants you in so much plate. Oh, okay. That you enough can't armor. Wipe. And yeah, okay. Enough armor to make you blush. Like, oh damn, you must smell horrible in there. Not yes. oh damn, that leaves very little to the imagination. Yes. Yeah, it's crotch pot cooking in this well, armor. That, that is being for said, sure. The fighter had a great time because they were horrendously dangerous in the early game, which is where most characters died back in the day. And they could use all the magical items. And more than that, when they leveled up, they'd become some sort of minor nobility and attract an army to them to help them do whatever it is they wanted to do. Unfortunately, then third edition came and the designers of third edition were terribly afraid of the fighter and his almighty uh, base attack bonus and multiple attacks around. So they, you know – Made him weak and make it made him unable to use it, and they somehow the back to his knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah they they so somehow didn't for basically, that he was awful. um, yeah, basically third edition to Pathfinder, um, uh, the fighter could best be described as a cheerleader. Yes, past like Very, first level. Yeah, no, like first three levels, the fighter is the man, right? Like fighters, fighters, the leader of the party. Like he's very confident in himself. By about level seven, once the wizard has actually learned fireball, uh. And fly and, and haste, fly and haste, and a whole bunch of other more horrible spells. Basically, the fighter is just like, "All right, cool. Uh, I'll be over here, guys." Because to make a compelling uh, combat, you basically had to account for the wizard, and that meant the fighter didn't matter because the fighter just didn't put out that much damage. But fifth edition fighters, they're back. They're awesome. 
So let's go down the list. Champion fighters. Uh, a lot like barbarians. This is for players who just want to show up and hit stuff. If you want the simplest, like a very straightforward class that doesn't do a whole lot, champion fighter is you know like the well, classic fighter. Lot. It's just not very complicated. No, it's very it's very straightforward. It's very simple. Uh, they get extended crit range. They get to uh, you know they still get all the extra attacks and the action surges and you know all the other cool stuff fighter gets like a bajillion attribute attribute bonuses which are fun. Oh man, a ton of them, which means so many feats. Uh, but yeah, the main selling point of champion is just hey, you just want to show up and hit stuff with your sword. Good on you, man. Play a champion. But we're going to get into the class that made Fighter great again. <laughs> Battlemaster. Yes, Battlemaster Fighter. Yeah. Um, let me just take a... Uh, whoever designed that, you're a genius. For once, we finally have a fighter that plays tactically and not just like, guys, I'm going to kick down the door and I'm, I'm going to get in there. I move and full attack. Yeah. The Battlemaster is more of a, a general type, a leader necessarily, than just... Well, maybe not much. even a general so much as somebody who knows what they're doing rather than running in sword swinging. Yeah, a, a properly trained fighter, not... Yeah. Um, for once, yeah. For once, you finally get to play up, you know, that ability because... The classic description between a barbarian and a fighter was always that barbarian just kind of goes in there and hits things as hard as it can, but not really trained that well. And a fighter is supposed to be like a very trained soldier. Um, this finally makes you feel like you're trained because you finally get abilities like parry and, you know, uh, repost and uh, like the ability to make people drop their weapons and stuff. And you can add extra dice called superiority dice. Oh, it's so well built. It's, now, for for those listening that aren't one hundred percent clear on those abilities, parry and repost and things like that, are those full actions, bonus actions? How do those work? You can add those on. Uh, you can add those on as a bonus action with an attack. So you can declare basically, uh, for example, parry. You can use as a reaction. So if somebody's about to hit you in the face, right? And you can say, "I'm a parry," and you roll a superiority die, which is starts at D eight, uh, goes on up as the game progresses, as you get higher levels, and you add that number to your armor. You know, so like if the big guy's about to hit you in the head and you go, now, wait a minute, <laughs> you <laughs> throw on. a parry on that, you know, you can avoid some damage. It makes you feel like you've got options all the time. It makes you feel very dangerous. It, it's like for some people, people who found fighters boring to play because, you know, just like sometimes you're just like, cool, wait until I can hit some stuff. I move and full attack. Yeah. With this. <laughs> You've got options. You've got tactical battle options you can do, and you can think about ways to change the battlefield. Last bit of fighter we're going to talk about is the Eldritch Knight, and this is if you can't uh, make up if you want to cast spells or you want to hit things with a sword. Uh, congratulations, you can now do both. Eldritch Knight is fun. Decently. You get a Yeah, you get a small selection of spells, nothing too crazy, and a bunch of really cool and, like, the same fighter Kitsch, so you end up being able to have four attacks at level 20, uh, a bunch of ability score improvements, and uh, one of the trolliest abilities abilities in the game where you can bind a sword to your will, basically, and it will just poof back into existence, into your hand, which can be used to very comical effect. Yeah, you can never use unarmed. a sword as a ranged weapon, basically, in a very cheapskate way. No, 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 no. You, like, you can just like, oh. Like, uh, say you can leave it in the closet, right? You know, like leave it in the closet at the end, you know, and you walk into a business meeting, you know, or something with the Thieves Guild and you're like, you're unarmed, right? And you're like, yeah, can I wear my armor? Cool. You walk in there. You just sit down at the table. You're not armed, right? Yeah, search me and stuff. 
they're like, we're going to kill you now. And you're just like, I think not. Poof. Um, Though, is this more a sort of distance over time thing? Like, slight uh, no, Ragnarok it just, spoiler. Will you ruin someone's house and ill-time no, your... No, it just poofs your into your hand. Aha, uh-huh, excellent. It just poofs. Not, it doesn't mold near its way through everything. Yeah, you this is, this is similar to the... Uh, warlock ability. Yeah, yes. the warlock ability that, the like... It, to the blade. Yeah, you, keep, you keep your weapon in, like, an extra-dimensional space, and you can just, like, access it whenever you want. Yeah, Melina has that. There's yep. nothing like what not being unarmed. It's it's a good feeling. Um. So, but yes. Long story short, they made Fighter good again. Yes, Fighter is an excellent class, and I would highly recommend it, like Barbarian, to anybody who's starting the game and wants to play. Well, not so much Conan the Barbarian as you want to play, uh, uh, what's his name? Roland from the Song of Roland. You just want to smack people with your excellent power and reposition properly and hold the line. So is that is that a for you guys in your opinion just going as we're going into the final thoughts of fighter is it is it your guys' general opinion that the more martial classes are good stepping stones for people that are newer to the game compared to spellcasting? Depends. Paladin can actually be very complicated. Uh, I've seen a bunch of very new players play comp, uh, Paladin and just go, "Oh, okay, it's just going to be like this and stuff." And when you try to tell them how to play it optimally, they're like, "Wait, well, well, paladins are considered half-casters. Well, yes, correct? but actually I'd consider warlocks also about as easy as a barbarian is to play because you've got a – the thing – the problem with spellcasters, spellcasters are good. They've almost always been good in D&D. Yeah. But the thing about spellcasters is you've got a whole bunch of stuff to manage. Like how many spells do I have left today? What spells do I have memorized? What spells do I know? Which am I going to choose for today's spells? And the warlock has five or six spells and they can cast all of them whenever they feel like it. So someone mentions in the comments too that fighter class is his most played class from Chris Lord. So your players probably choose wisely. Yes, fighter is yeah. the. I would guess if I say fighter is the most flexible class as far as backstories go. Yeah, it's easy. It's fun. That and rogue. No, it's a great class. So let's talk about a favorite of Paul and mine's, and something that just inspires endless rage in Clint. For I don't even know why. Hang on, I have it. I have a bitter history with it, man. Okay, so why do you hate monks so much? I don't necessarily hate monks. I don't hate them. It's okay. The reason why I am like I have a not necessarily a negative connotation to it, but I'm just like, yeah, monks are bullshit. Is because like. As I said, I'm I'm fairly new to the hobby. The second game that I ever played, I played a monk of uh, the four elements. And uh, we'll be talking I, about that briefly in a bit. Yeah. I thought that I was signing up to be Aang, and I was not signing up to be Aang. That was definitely not the case. That reminds me. I will send you. I did find uh, somebody made a homebrew rework of it. That's actually really, really good. Well, it was oh. it, it was also at that point because I didn't really know how to optimize the class and things like that. Like, I like monks. I think that the monk class is super cool. It's super fun. It I don't hate monks, the box but thinking. Uh, it's and- just there's a lot of abilities, and as we've said before on the show – it it it's been time for monks to have their time in the sun. I'm hearing can, can, I'm hearing a lot of I'm not racist, but from yes. so, no, 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 that's not the case. That's not the case at all. They do need their time in the can sun. I, can can I can I start go, talking yeah, about the, the section I'm supposed to cover? Yes, yes, please. So monks. Oh, I know we just talked about them for five minutes, but let me start talking about monks. <laughs> monks are one of the oldest classes in Dungeons and Dragons. They didn't exist at the same time the Fighting Man did, but they were first introduced. In the first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook, they were not very good. Um, the monk martial arts stuff was very weak until Gary Gygax later released uh, Unearthed Arcana and Oriental Adventures, which Oriel, that name. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Moving so, on. Moving on. <laughs> 
Monk has had a very troubled history. It didn't exist in the second edition player's handbook. I, I just checked, so don't contradict me on that one. Uh, it's not in there. I do remember, though, somewhere that uh, Monk started out with, like, D4s. Like, they could only use their hands. They could use D4s kind of like back in the day or, like, currently. But at some point, they were able to use D20s as their damage dice, yes. which is – just Which is pretty unique for Dungeons and Dragons, I have to tell you. Awesome. <laughs> well, they weren't overpowered because that was the point which wizards were killing God as a half action. <laughs> yeah, uh, as a half action. <laughs> yeah, but, wait until you see what they can do on their next turn. Um, so, <laughs> monks in 5e. Monks have come a long way since 3rd edition, which is arguably the darkest edition for monks, where they were basically unusable because people said, no, that's unrealistic in a game which a wizard can fly around on a broomstick and magically make people his friends effortlessly. Well, yeah, that and basically if your day job involved using an actual weapon in third edition, I'm not going to say like you were just doomed from the outset, but you had about three levels before you were completely replaced. There was just like a, there was a time where it was just like, yeah, like if you're going to play as hard as you can, like stat against stat, like using as much meta knowledge as possible, using as much accrued knowledge of the game and just building the strongest builds you can. Yeah, then all the martial classes just don't hang. They don't. They don't last that long. If you're just playing for fun, they're still great. They're they still don't okay. Call but. it caster edition for nothing. But in fifth edition, monks have returned to their place in the sun. They don't use pathetic hit dice anymore. Their saves are usually pretty good. They've got excellent damage. They've got some of the best level one damage in the game with flurry of blows. And on that note, flurry of blows is not terrible for once, which is a great change. I have to tell you. Correction: flurry of blows comes at level two for two. My bad. Yeah. Um. And honestly, the key points are a nice change because they let you do the supernatural powers without, without having the problem that monks had in previous editions where you'd get a whole bunch of disconnected abilities. Like every single level, you'd get this new ability that only worked on its own and didn't interact with any of your other abilities or synergize. Yeah. No, monks are a lot of fun to play now. They've finally like hit this – they've got this great spot, like this little spot for them in amongst all the other martial classes in the game where for once – there is like this small other than rogue because rogue is rogue is its own weird entity. And we'll talk about rogue uh, probably next week. But monk is for once like a frontline damage dealer, but it's not tanky. They've got this great kind of glass cannony feel, but they've also got a lot of abilities that like embrace that get in there, hit quick, hit hard and get out. You move very quickly. Warfare style. Yes. Yeah. If you want a good example of a monk in pop culture, if anybody's watched uh, Netflix's Marco Polo and the mid-season special, the Hundred Eyes special, super dope, real cool, shows a monk uh, straight up destroying a million guys, basically. Well, the other thing is monks aren't always... And falling off of a big parapet. Don't do that. <laughs> aren't always people who are, you know, martial artists who have trained in a monastery. A monk right. basically describes anybody with self-discipline who has learned to use their body as a weapon. Right. And I feel like that's not really explained enough in the uh, in the the this is what a monk is section. But more than that, let's let's talk about the subclasses of monk. You've got the way of the open fist, I think it is the way of the open hand. Yep, way of the open hand. Way of the shadow and way of the four elements. Okay, so really quick, let's just get the bad one out of the way. Way of four elements is a great idea on paper. It does not work in practice. It needs a rework. 
Um, to be sort of the Avatar. Kind yeah, of it's, it's yeah. very so much based I, on Avatar: The Last Airbender, yeah. and that is that's where like my opinion. I'm jaded because I think that what I need to do is I just need to like the next time I play in a one shot, I need to play a monk and play a different monk. Yeah. Play away the shadow monk. They're basically ninjas, and we'll get yeah. to that in a moment. But the thing is that the way the four elements requires you to spend instead of a different resource like practically every other class gets for their subclasses, you have to spend a lot of your key points to cast spells behind level. Like at level six, ooh, I get to cast a second level spell at level six for half of my key point pool. Uh, we have a note from the comments section. Our good friend Nacho, who was on the show last week, says that monks are the ultimate line breaker slash tank buster class. They are. They yeah hit very quickly and very hard. Um, admittedly, I've never played a, a monk of the open hand, but I'm sure it's got its certain uses. Mostly I play monk of the shadow when I do play monk, which is – do you want to be a ninja? Yeah. See, the the way that I think about Monk 2, um, and I may be in the minority here, but I would almost consider as far as like martial classes go, if you want to get just a little bit of extra damage, like a lot of people think that it's a good idea if you're playing a spellcaster or other classes, it's never a bad idea to take a dip into Warlock. I don't necessarily think if you're playing a dex-based character that it's a bad idea to take a couple levels and get that Flurry of Blows. Flurry of Blows is very good, but the problem, Chris, is you have to make it with unarmed attacks. So if you're not keeping up your uh, monk levels, it's not going to be that good. That's that being said, the ability to do, I'm going to choose to jump 100 feet is pretty good. Uh, so way of the open hand, uh, you get to do a bunch of really cool stuff with that. You uh, you know, as we're just breaking this down, again, this is a you know kind of a series for anybody who's new to the game, and it's like, you know, like sitting down and reading the player's handbook, which can look like a technical manual sometimes, is just <laughs> oh, yeah. like a little intimidating. It's better than it was. Let me so, tell you that. Where do you where do you stand on the open hand, Paul? Open hand. Well, as I'm, the as the monk guy. Uh, gee, people say that I've only played monk like three or four times. <laughs> I think I played more monk than he. You probably have. <laughs> uh, monk of the open hand is perfectly fine. It's what people who are veterans to D anD D think of when they think of this is a monk. That's what the monk of the open hand does. Okay. Basically, it levels if. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's level 17. You get the ability to straight up just kill a dude by punching him one time. Yeah, quivering punch. You know, yeah, the five-finger death you punch, one, basically. One punch man, yeah. Oh, my. One yeah, you know, kill bill, too. You know, if I can, you know, take five steps in your heart explodes. Sweet. Um, Way of the Shadows. Let's talk about Way of the Shadows, though, because, you know, Way of the Open Hand is basically I'm like, a ninja. do you yes. want to do every over-the-top well, ridiculous martial arts movie thing you've ever seen? Play Way of the yeah, Open Hand. Way of the Open Hand is like Jackie Chan crossed with wuxia films. Yeah. Uh, and the thing about Way of the Shadow, as you as we've all mentioned at this point, is Way of the Shadow is a supernatural stealth class. The rogue is sort of a martial stealth class where you're playing the world's best burglar and con man. But Way of the Shadow can cloak an area in darkness. They can turn invisible and they can walk through walls. Yes, they have my personal favorite, like just small fluff ability, you know, aside from all their like, cause they get evasion and they get key empowered strikes and their hands become magical weapons, which is awesome. You can literally um, say that your hands is registered as deadly weapons. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you that I can't fix. They my get fists. one of my favorite abilities at level six for way of the shadow, which is the ability to stand in a shadow and teleport to another shadow within 120 feet. Oh, did they take that from the Shadow Dancer, I wonder? Almost certainly. Uh, Almost I certainly. Believe, I believe they did, yes. But it's just, One of my friends it's a, that class once, yes. It's a really, really fun ability. Um, ultimately, Monks in 5th Edition. Much better than they were. I like Monks in 5th Edition. That being said, I still feel there's too much going on that doesn't necessarily synergize with itself. Huh. Fair. I think they're – I think Way of the Four Elements – 
was poorly conceived and sort of wanted to make Monk into a half-caster that it wasn't actually going to be. Again, I'm going to send you that homebrew I found because it actually fixes the class. Please do. Please and do. it send looks – so Put it on the Facebook. You, you yeah. already have it. Oh. You were the link first it, person I sent it let's to. Just, let's just link it to the Facebook. Yeah, let's have gonna, the viewers look at it too. It's going to go on the blog. Well, share. Um, yeah, yeah, guys, let us know what you think about it too. We will yeah, soon we'll have a very it. nice, beautiful blog. Okay. We will share that homebrew to the Facebook probably here in a little bit. We'll also tweet it out. Um, so really quick, before we jump into our conclusion on monks, uh, let's just get this out there one more time, guys. Uh, anything you can do to help us out, liking our stuff, sharing our stuff on Facebook, following us on Twitter, three DMs pod, uh, on Twitter with underscores, three underscore pod DM, uh, three underscore DMs underscore pod. That helps us out again, liking, sharing, commenting, let us know things you want us to do. And if uh, you follow us on Twitter, you will get all the hot takes. The drive <sighs> from our home to beautiful Royal Oak was scorching takes, scorching <laughs> Yeah, about oh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Um, which we're going to be talking about here soon. So really quick, we're going to take a five-minute break. But first, guys, final thoughts on Monk. If you have ever wanted, for professional wrestling fans out there, if you have ever wanted a Macho Man Randy Savage elbow drop or Young Bucks super kick somebody, the Monk is for you. The Monk is surprisingly good at wrestling. Funny story about that. <laughs> uh, uh, I definitely have uh, Macho Man elbow dropped a couple people playing Monk before. Monk is a weird <laughs> class to fit into your setting. I think it's a fun class to play, but it needs a very specific setting to work in. And it's not always – it's one of the harder non-magical classes to learn. That's basically my thoughts on it. It's, it's a middle of the road. It's very good in the early game. It's okay in the middle and the late game. And it's a, f- a lot of fun to play. So that's worth a lot. All right, guys. We're going to take a quick four-minute break. We'll be right back, and then we are going to dive into probably the main reason you've clicked on this show for today. We're going to dive into Xanathar's Guide to Everything. We'll be right back. I feel bad because I'm not monitoring the comments today. Normally, I'm, I'm normally, Don't worry. No, normally, I'm pretty good All about All right, gang. We are back. So 3DM's podcast. Uh, again, let's take a pause for the cause. Hit up our sponsors really quick. Watchtower Comics and Games. In Dexter, Michigan and Milan, Michigan, Southeast Michigan, if you're ever in the Southeast Michigan area and you want to buy some dice, buy some comics, buy some cards, stop in, give them some money. They're kind enough kind enough to show us some love and help pay for this show and couldn't do it without them. Uh, we owe them a lot. Yep. Show your Especially support. Especially opening late again to give Jake the Xanathar's Guide yes. so that we could do it. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> yes. Um, well, also, too, uh, Podcast Detroit. We record out of Podcast Detroit Studio in Royal Oak. If you ever wanted to start your own radio show, it's really easy. Hit it's up podcastdetroit.com. They can hook you up with very affordable rates. You can start a show and you can talk about anything. And it's shout into the internet. So much easier than I thought it was going yeah, to be. Yeah, we thought it was going to be a lot harder than it these, actually turned out to be. These guys here are so helpful when it comes to like getting your show off the ground and making sure things run smoothly. No one ever believes me when I tell them things are going to be easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, always, it's always when people say, to, to quote one of my favorite Shadowrun short stories, the worst <laughs> thing to hear is, it'll be easy. <laughs> and before we launch into Xanathars, again, I just want to touch – base on this one more time since we've got a bit of a bigger audience now live on Facebook. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of you have seen it, but basically a young man by the name of Wyatt Ferris recently took his own life and he was very large in the D&D. He was very big into D&D, loved to DM, loved to play. Um, Right now there is a hashtag going around uh, NPC for Wyatt, number four Wyatt. Uh, Everybody wants 
to make. I'm sorry, correction. It is hashtag play for the number play four. Play for my bad. Or hashtag wide NPC. Yes, thank you. But the point will get across. Um, yeah, my bad. You'll I, find I, it. I bumbled on that. Yeah. Um, point is, though, his mother would like everybody to make a character in their campaign named after her son, uh, which is something I can definitely get behind. Uh, it's, you know, it's a tragedy. It's really sad. If you've got a game you're running and you can make a paladin or a fighter, those were some of the classes you love to play. Please go ahead and make a character named Wyatt. Um, and for anybody, obviously, no, you must do this. No, I don't know. I I might fight you in the parking lot. If you tell me you're not going to make one for a grieving mother, uh, Guys, if you're struggling with depression, if you're having, you know, if life's just getting you down, uh, remember there is always help. There's always hope. Please call 1-800-273-8255 if you are honestly considering taking your own life. Do not make permanent solutions to temporary problems. Um, all, yeah. of, all of these online communities, uh, in, including our own, even though we have uh, – we're, we're growing at this point. If any of our listeners at any point send us a message in our – talking they they're in a very very dark spot and none of us would have any problem talking to you i've made uh, some of the best friends of my life over the internet this, and this, we have some of the most deep and lasting relationships so i can agree there 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 are, there are so many communities online for tabletop gaming and i i think that tabletop gaming is a, in a, a huge huge extended family that you don't know all of the members we're all chill all right guys but, so yeah just remember if you think nobody loves you don't worry i love you Here's Dwight. Dwight. So on that note, let's get to the reason that most people are probably tuning in. Xanathar's Guide to Everything. So, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. It's out, baby. It's It's here. It is your get-out-of-jail-free card. (laughs) So, this book is a large compilation of things, is the best way to describe it. Yes. Oh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. I... I'm not good at describing things. There's stuff in it. There's players' options. There's dungeon master options. There's discussion of traps. There's a sort of random life path generator for your characters. Oh, I was a half-orc child born in a field, and I had three siblings. You can do this. It's 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 not what I'd All call right. essential, but it's got so much stuff that I wouldn't hesitate to call it extremely useful. Okay. So let's go from the very top of this book. Because I'm, I have been the one who this has taken. Made notes. <laughs> Look, gaze upon them. Okay. Calls me All at right. ten forty-five last night. I'm reading it. Yeah. Okay. So from the very top, Jake, what you got for us? From the very top of the book. Um, first of all, I'm going to stare into the camera as best I can because for once we have it on paper. The DM is in charge. Is basically the very first thing this book tells you. <laughs> Listen. The rules are there, they're in place, but whatever the DM says, go. I'm looking at you, R.A.W. players. I'm looking at you. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with playing. There's uh, nothing wrong, wrong with rules but... as written, but I have definitely had some people get in my face about it. So let's go over what we've got in this book. We've got 25 subclasses. Um, and 25? 25. Yes, 25 subclasses. Woo! And well, keep in mind, there's like what nine different classes in the normal player's handbook, and we'll jump around to all the other things. But there is so there's I was doing a lot of reading on the forums yesterday, um, a lot of reading on the fifth edition group and on Reddit and on a couple of places, and I saw a very like universal thread of questions that people were trying to figure out, and that is, is the material in this book the exact same as it was in the Unearthed Arcana, and 
for those that don't know, let's let, let's the elaborate very briefly on what Unearthed Arcana is. Unearthed Arcana is an ancient book published in 1980. <laughs> not that one. So not that one. The, the online community of Unearthed Arcana. So no. So Unearthed Arcana was the name that Mike Merles and Jeremy Crawford, designers on D and D Five E, brought back from the book that he just mentioned. Yeah. To use as beta testing. Um, there is a video that we are going to drop. Uh, if you haven't seen it, we're going to drop it here on the Facebook and we'll share it on our group later on our uh, Twitter and on our Facebook and all that stuff. Um, there is a video of Mike Merles talking with Matt Mercer, uh, Matt Colville, senpai, and Adam Kobold, who, if you don't know, is also an amazing uh, both GM and game developer. He made the Dungeon World system, which is Awesome. It's good. I've, I've got some problems with it, but move on. Move yeah. On. Um, so basically, yeah, what you get is a video where you got LeBron James, Steph Curry, uh, Russell Westbrook, and Phil Jackson just sitting down and talking about basketball. But instead of that, they're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. And one of the things Mike Merle says about the way they try to do things, this content cycle was instead of just sitting down and going, this is what players are going to want. We're going to argue about how it should be done. We'll play test it in house and then we're going to send it out. They instead decided, okay, well, let's make some stuff. We'll put it out there for people. They could play test it. We'll get the reviews back and then we can send it forward. So it's essentially using players as beta testers. Yes. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Interacting with the community is what we call it. Yes. No, I think that that's an awesome idea, personally. Yeah. Now, and Theoretically. I, and I'm going to move into the problem here, as people said, but when this book is published, all the stuff was in Unearthed Arcana, and none of it's changed. So I did the very, very uh, fun job of sitting down last night and reading over both all the Unearthed Arcana entries and the stuff in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. And I actually do have for you the exact number of things that were changed heavily, uh, things that were just changed, things that were just given slight reworks, you know, like an extra damage dice here or a slight, you know, like a spell taken away or a spell changed. Um, so let's jump to the bottom here. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah. So overall, the number of classes... In the Sword Coast Guide, or blah, not that, whoops. There is some in, stuff from the Sword Coast There is guide, some stuff but... from the Sword Coast Guide to Adventurers, which we will get to. Yeah. But um, the overall things in Xanathar's that were changed was uh, there were four significant changes. Um, okay. Four classes, classes were, not yeah, the other two stuff. subclasses. Uh, they to were, note, uh, Jake, would you explain how you broke this down, significant changes? What does that mean? Uh, they changed at least two major mechanics of the class as they were working on it. Um, they also might have, uh, like changed ability, like changed a complete stat type on an ability, change basically the a way fundamental it fundamental of the yeah, class. Yeah, fundamental. It changed fundamentally from how it worked in Unearthed Arcana. It has a completely new playstyle. This changed the entire foundation of the class. Yes. yes. Like, for example, the Cavalier lost about half their abilities and had them replaced with new abilities from the Knight. Yes. They Which basically, they took change. the Knight, they took the Knight. From Unearthed Arcana and the Cavalier, and they just went, now Kith. And so the, the, the Mike Tyson changes. meme where he's trying to get two birds to kiss. Yes, now Kith. Now Kith. Four um, significant changes. What about the others? Uh, minor changes and no changes. Basically. So there were six just with changes. Usually just one mechanic was reworked or one subtext was reworked. There were six of those. Um, ten minor changes. So, you know, a damage dice here or a damage type was changed um, or like an ability was added or a couple of abilities were just crammed together. 
And then there were six no changes. And of those six no changes, four of those were reprints from the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Well, that adds up to 26. Yeah, we have 26. My bad. I said 26, not 25. Yeah. (laughs) Whoops. So good. I trust your actual numbers rather than off the top of your head. So. So. That's a lot more than it would seem to be from the comment sections. I don't mean to to diss anyone in the comment no, sections. It's, you are, we're not attacking the comment section. This is us doing the hard work to assuage your fears as a consumer. So to, consumer. So to address the elephant in the room, to address the big problem that we have seen a lot of people have commented on about Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Is this just a compilation of things that we have seen before from other supplemental books, or is it something that is definitely worth purchasing? Well, all the player classes, I believe, have come from other books, or have come from the Unearthed Canon, which I should note, there's nothing wrong with them putting stuff in Unearthed Canon in a book, because you basically got it for free. Also, if it's it edited, then testing, it's changed, and, and it's worth paying for, yeah, for sure. And more than that, even if you ignore all the classes, there's tons of tables and stuff in the back for a game master to use rather than just a player. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to those in a minute. We're just I'm just talking even about the classes. I just I, I just know that I heard a lot of the reviews as far as the classes themselves go, you know, oh, these are just reworks yeah. or exact copies of Long things story that we've short. already seen before. Jake has done investigative journalism. He was very emphatic. <laughs> and that's where I'm asking, what is the conclusion? The conclusion here is... Everything has been made significantly better. Okay. Um, everything that has been changed, a one uh, couple of them that come to mind that got just way better from their changes were Grave Domain Cleric got went from just being like really cool in terms of flavor and kind of what it can do to being like, oh damn son, like you're here to play, you came to ball today. Uh, Samurai Fighter, they actually made that class feel like very thematically appropriate, and they added what they needed to to it um let's see what's another one that got a drastic overhaul um well the cavalier obviously uh the divine sorcerer got changed very heavily uh it used to be called favored soul sorcerer now it's the divine sorcerer and it's got um a very different mechanic uh basically you turn into an angel kind of like uh how the dragon blood sorcerer thing turned you into a dragon like at around level 14. It, it mirrors that, but it plays nothing like the UA, so it's brand new, basically. Well, I should also mention a brief history of the favored soul that used to be a class back in third edition, perhaps earlier, which is basically just the cleric equivalent of the sorcerer. As, as sorcerers were to wizards, favored souls were to clerics. Yeah. And that's and, the entire history lesson. So. Yeah. And then we had, uh, you know, Cavalier again just getting smushed with the knight from – uh, another fighter on Earth Arcana. Which actually helps their role, I think. Yeah, no, it gives them a very defined, uh, instead of being like an all-out offense or an all-out defense, it kind of puts them right in the middle, and, you know, your big thing is, again, you're going to be riding on a horse. It also gives you stuff to do when you're not riding a horse, which so, is important. As far as all that comes, I think it's worth buying. I think if, like, I think the changes are significant enough that warrant you to purchase. Um, But if, you know, again, if money's tight, like, I get it, you know, this hobby can get expensive at times. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> you don't want to feel, for example, that your hobby is a subscription. But um, this is the, you know, what point are we at? It's 2017. This game has mm-hmm. been out for is four years. Two years or three years? Oh, longer. Oh, really? All right. D&D Next, of course. Yeah. My bad. So about four years, you know, three or four years we've been out. Um, and this is like the first other than Volo's major like expansion material 
They're taking their time. They're letting the community find their footing and stuff. Everything well, in this book adds to the game. All the subclasses actually add to the game. Um, there's no detractors. My only, like, really upset, like, the only thing that really upsets me that we did not have from Unearth Arcana is my tranquility monks, my way of tranquility monks, because there is nothing better than the idea of somebody roundhouse kicking you in the face to heal you. <laughs> Irony. Well. No, that's love. That's love. That's love. That's, that's love. Patrick Swayze. Yep. Well, with that in mind, of course, is that you have to keep in mind is, yes, people complain that 5th edition doesn't have as much content as 3rd edition. But for those people, I say, do you remember how awful it got when there were 600 source books and your player said, OK, I'm sorting six different – I'm sourcing just six different source books for my character. Is that OK? That was awful. That was now the it's worst. Now in one beautiful, elegant edition narrated by a many-eyed tentacle monster. Yes. This is very charming. Yeah. So let's talk about other things. Like this is just going to be a brief overview, by the way, guys. Um, the the big plan, the big dream, the big goal for this week, we are going to start our YouTube channel and I am going to basically sit down with the book and we are going to go over everything. It's going to be a very long hour and a half, but we'll go over everything in the book. Um, but today we're just doing some light talking over what's in it and we're talking over, you know, discussion stuff. So. Um, subclasses, as far as everything goes in this book, is really strong. Uh, on the car ride out, we were all talking about basically just how incredibly powerful every subclass in this game well, is, or in this book is. They're all, I wouldn't say they're so much overpowering. As I didn't they say are, they're overpowering. They're fitting in the setting. Some, even the classes that I think are weak, like the, uh, what's it, the monster hunter, not the monster hunter, the something skulker for the gloom ranger. stalker. The gloom uh, stalker does not seem as strong as, say, the horizon walker or the other ranger archetypes necessarily, but it has an incredibly powerful set of abilities in the early game that I think would probably make up for that, such as the ability to, which this is a pretty rare ability, add a lot more to their initiative bonus. Yeah. Um, the warlock ability that we talked about was bonkers to say the least <laughs> to be able to do all of that is bananas yeah the hold on my hit 14, points are effectively 50% more 14th level or not at 14th level when your hit points are reduced to zero and your DM tells you make a death save you can be like mm, nah you roll back onto your shoulder blades hop back up onto your feet don't make the death save get half of your total hit point maximum back you do 2d8 damage to everyone around you. And they're blinded. And you blind the people that you choose to blind. Clint. And you can stand up as a free action. Clint, yeah. as, Again, as a, hey, listen, Clint, I know you're showing disbelief right now, but as a pro what? wrestling fan, haven't you been watching The Undertaker do this for the better part of two decades? I mean, yeah, he lays down on his back and just pops right up and then tombstones people, but that's different. No, no, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. On our, on our way here, you can't see me on camera, but on our way here, we're in the drive-thru getting some snacks. Jake's explaining this to Clint, and Clint starts screaming. The man in the drive-thru can hear us and gives us the worst look. I, he was very I was in utter disbelief. Yeah, I, I feel like It's the, amazing. Of all of them, I feel like the wizards is probably the least necessary. The rest of these are all good, but I feel like the wizard already has enough archetypes. Um, this one, well, there's only one, and it's it's more of a flavor thing. Uh, it does give you that because the one thing they do kind of impress with all the other wizard classes is that they are – or archetypes is they are students of the game, so to speak. 
this is the one wizard that just came to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and bubblegum hasn't been invented yet, so what's up? He's he's the football nerd of wizard college. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Sup, nerds? I'm going to shove you into lockers now. Yeah. Uh... So, overall, going through, just going to give, like, a brief overview on what people got and if it's good. Uh, Barbarians. Barbarians got really good with Xanathars. Uh, all three of them. Are the, definitely playable. No, and Ancestral, Storm Herald, and Path of the Zealot. All amazing. All different mechanics for each one of them. Uh, brings a lot of variation to the uh, the Barbarian playstyle, the Barbarian quality of life. So, Suddenly, it's not just, do I want to wear a furry coat or do I want to yell and shout? They've, they've expanded. Yes, there's a lot more to it than just being a, a madman or being, uh, being know, a madman or being you know, a guy who worships the spirits of animals. Um, so for barbarians, I'm going to give that a solid A+. Plus. Like barbarians, no, there's suddenly a great variety to barbarians. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the storm stuff that Wizards seems to be very fond of, but I do like the Spirit Guardian, and I do like the uh, what was the last one? I remember enjoying it's uh, Storm Herald and the Zealot, that's it. Let, me try, to, good let me try to win you really quick over, though, with uh, the Storm Herald one, because there is one effect that I just, I love to death. Um, so there's like storm auras, there's storm souls, and there's all this stuff. And, you know, so you get to pick desert, sea, or tundra, you know, picks your damage type. Um, I am loving, I am loving just like a small, you know, because I'm really big on like cool little flavor things you can do with a character, you know, because it just kind of sets a character apart. Um, the desert ability, you gain at six level, you gain resistance to fire damage. You don't suffer under the effects of extreme heat, as described in the Dungeon Master's Guide. And in what is somebody being way too like way too extra is just grabbing something that's on fire and just holding it and not getting burned. They can do that. Like okay. it's little things like that. They've got they can add fire damage just with the desert type. C adds uh electricity damage, I believe. Tundra is cold damage. They can, you know, the the storm guys are pretty cool. Um but we digress. Yes. So I give an A plus to Xanathars on just what they've added to Barbarians. I mean, everything that I've seen from Xanathars, I'm giving a solid A. I, um, bards, really quick, just glossing over Bards. Uh, please please tell me that they included the College of Whispers. They did. Uh, yes. College of Whispers got better. So uh, much fun to play at College of Whispers. Bar. Tuned it up, but actually, though, that's not my MVP of really? this draft class. Yeah, My MVP of the Bard draft class this year, uh, in our the year of our Lord 2017, is actually the College of Swords. Ooh. College of Swords they made very good. Now has extra attack features. Has um, some defensive or some weapon flourishes. They're called. So is this kind of a College of Valor on steroids? Uh, no, it's it's its own different kind of beast. Um, what it does is though is basically you can use your bardic inspiration instead of using it to help teammates or do other shenanigans. You can use it to do flourishes. So they're kind they kind of function like superiority dice for the fighter that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and. Ultimately, what you get is, like, the red mage that everybody's kind of always wanted. Like, you get the bard who is already a very capable caster. Anybody who's watched Critical Role knows that even though they had a druid in the party and, uh, you know, a couple other casters, Scanlan was the man. The bard was the most capable caster in that party, hands down. Until you run into something that is immune to charmer. Oh, no, he wasn't doing charming. I know you haven't watched the show, Paul, but trust me, like, 
Yeah, I mean, Stanley, I don't, don't want to have any. I don't want to give any spoilers to those of you that are watching Critical Role. But the very like the culmination, the end of Critical Role, the Bard was a huge part of that. But, yeah, but we should moving on. Uh, but yeah, College of Swords, you get to do a bunch of. They get extra attacks. They get flourishes. They get extra proficiencies to make them good with medium armor and things like that. Um, it's really cool. College of Glamour is also a lot of fun stuff. Uh, they reworked that one a little bit. I'd give a solid A. As well to Bard, uh, the Bard work in Xanathar's. Hmm. Well done. Yes, it's. I like the Bard works. I, I'm a huge sucker for it. I have to say, but clerics, really quick. Just gonna we're just gonna hit every class. Whole bunch of new domains. Yep, two new domains. Forge, grave. Two is a whole bunch enough. <laughs> Forge clerics are tight. Forge clerics are tight. They made grave clerics even better than they already were in writing. <laughs> Which I'm glad because uh, I should I should note that. The death cleric in the Dungeon Master's Guide is not intended for players, but this clearly is. Yeah. No, well, this is a we kill the undead. We put the undead back in the dirt kind of dealio. Yeah. It's hard to be a uh, a necromancer. Yeah. So um, I'm going to give just because we got to fly through these. We, we spent enough time on the first two classes. Come on. Let's get, let's get So moving. just flying through this. Uh, Grave cleric is really strong. Forge is still really good. They, they got slightly nerfed. Uh, from their UA stuff, we're going to give it a solid B for what it adds to the game overall. Um, good stuff for dwarves and good stuff for if you got zombies in the game and good NPC stuff. Druids. Druids finally got some more diversity in their stuff. Circle of Dreams is really cool. Um, they do a lot of stuff with the Fae in this book. They're they're really trying to hype that uh, Fae. There's a lot of classes that have access to the Fae. Uh, Bards had College of Glamour they, and stuff. They sort of did that in 4th edition. They're doing it in 5th edition now. They really want us to care about the Wild, which is nice because it's something other than I'm going to go across the plains and do the planescape setting. And I love the planescape setting, but it's been done for like 30 uh, years. I have such bad memories with the Wild. <laughs> such bad memories. Well, that's because I've made it a terrifying place. Yeah, uh, it is a terrifying it place. It should be a terrifying place. Never accept snacks. No, never. Don't you'll never it. leave. Um, you can check in. Yeah, can never Circle leave. of Dreams has a bunch of really cool abilities. My favorite being able to just put a umbrella basically over the party while they're trying to sleep. Uh, make it so you can't see the fire. Make it so like sounds can't be heard thirty feet outside your camp. Ooh. Circle of Dreams does a bunch of other cool stuff, but it's very Feywild related. Circle of the Shepherd. You can finally talk to animals all the time. You don't have to cast a damn spell for it. And all they do is summon other animals. All I can be upset about that is. Don't druids – do druids actually get an ability like that or do they still have to cast talk with animals? They still have to cast speak with animals. So okay. I'm – I feel like that should just be a base druid ability. You'd think to, You'd think so too. Like it's already fluffed in you know, homebrewed in my campaign setting that druids can already do that. But yeah. for, for the campaigns where that they don't, guess what? You've now got Circle of the Shepherd. Also, they do a bunch of really cool summoning stuff. Well, the way that you do it is the animal speak sylvan, correct? But, yeah. Oh, okay. There's also a huge set of tables for animals that you can turn into and more importantly, animals that you'd probably know if you had lived in this space in the backstory because you can only turn to animals you've already seen. But the question is what animals has my character already seen? And there's a big table as to what are the likely animals you yeah, would Yeah, they seen. add that with Druid in this as well. Similar to the old adage, there's an app for that. There is almost something for everything in this guide. Yes. So we'll get to we'll get to all the extra bells and whistles, but we're just zipping through classes. Fighter or Druid, we're going to give another A. They add a lot to the roles that Druid, Druid can do. Different play styles are added. Fighter. Fighter got a lot better as well. Um, as if it needed to. <laughs> well, they added Samurai, which basically allows you to add a bunch of Diplomacy Fire skills. Samurai. Yeah. Add a bunch of diplomacy skills. Um, you get Cavalier. 
you know, tanky guy on a horse. You get Arcane Archer, you know, range fighter. Is the Arcane, Arcane Archer Ar- still limited to elves? Because that was a huge no. pet peeve for me. Thank no, God. anybody can play it. Uh, no, those are really cool. Overall, they get a B, the fighter does. Uh, I thought Samurai was a really cool addition. I thought other things, meh, meh, meh. This is just, we're blazing through. Way of the Drunken Master. It's Monk. a long-term yes. favorite. Drunken Boxing. So when's, when's our wrestling monk coming out? Uh, ho- n- not soon enough. I mean, i Not I've... soon enough. World champion. The way of the world champion is what I want to <laughs> see next. Way of the heavyweight title. Uh, Drunken Master, you get to be junk- Jackie Chan. It's fun. It adds another new play, play style for the monk rather than the uptight monk or the monk who's trying to be Aang or the ninja. For everybody watching at home, at this point, like I, I hope you're catching a theme. They've really chosen every subclass that can truly add to a repertoire for a class. Um, like all of these play drastically different than everything in the player's handbook, and it's awesome. We also get Way of the Kensai, which is basically a monk who's allowed to use good weapons. <laughs> like he's allowed to use a martial weapon. Yeah, the sword saint, if you will. Um, also gets automatically trained in calligraphy. I like that. It's a nice touch. Um, that's nice flavor. Yeah. Nice little touches. Well, like something they did, like something, uh, UA didn't have for the clerics of the forge. They didn't know how to use forge stuff. So it's like automatic. They get forge proficiencies. That's why you play test stuff. Yep. Uh, Paladin has, oh, and way of the sun soul. This is one of our few things that came over from sword coast adventurers guide. That's why we're only going to give monk a B because you didn't include my way of the tranquility. I wanted to healing roundhouse kick people. Damn it. So paladins, we got oath of conquest. The first justifiably evil. Yes. And we've mentioned this before, I believe in our first episode. Mm -hmm. Was it? Yes. Uh, Second episode. Okay. But actually, what 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 do you refer to the uh, the way of conquest as the oh. way of Kyle? Yeah, the way of Kyle, the way of my little buddy Kyle. Basically, the angriest uh, the angriest D and D player I've ever encountered. He's just always wanted to conquer everything and see everything burn. Um, and there's also the way of redemption. Is it? Yes. Um, way of conquest, action. great fun, evil stuff. Way of redemption is actually really cool because you are playing. I'm trying to think of a character from fiction who's just this nice. Like you are playing like. The guy who is so disarmingly nice, like it. Okay, so Joseph, I, Joseph. I think most everybody's seen Sorry, Stranger Jonathan Things too at this point. Like this is the oath of Bob, not Joseph. Joseph. Okay, this is we, the oath remember. Of Bob. Remember, we are we are shared right now through a group that is very strict on no Stranger Things spoilers. I, I ain't saying anything. I'm just like this is the way of Bob. Um, oath of Redemption is the way of Bob. It, it's it, he's they're so kind. This is the holy, like. The the paladin's a holy warrior, but this is an emphasis on the holy part, and that you try. It's the it's the knight in shining armor in a way. It's uh this person this is, is real, willing this to is forgive. A real order you. of a white lady on a green field, order the golden shackle. Yes, for all yeah. my medieval nerds there. Yep. So, ranger, they got gloom stalker, which is eh. that's okay. Uh, oh, they got. got uh, hang on, we forgot to grade paladin. Did we? Oh, yep. Yeah, paladin. Uh, a solid. I'd give them a B too. I wish there was like one more for Paladin, just like another kind of morally ambiguous option. Uh, Cause Oath of Redemption is just way nicer than anybody could like ever really hope to be. And if, in case you wanted to role play Jesus's best buddy. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so Rangers. Ranger has uh, the Horizon Walker, the Gloom Stalker and the Monster Hunter, I believe. Monster Slayer. Monster Slayer. They don't hunt, they slay. Gloom Stalker is. Only really applicable if you're going to be playing an Underdark character. 
Like that's how at least it feels is what they're kind of going for. Uh, you know, they get like a bunch of dark vision stuff and a bunch of yeah, because you know, dealing with dealing with things that you would deal with in the underdark. It's um, not like every player race already had dark vision or low light vision. Yeah, well, if you're human though and you play a gloom stalker, uh, but let's talk about Monster Slayer and Horizon Walker. Basically, really fast. Horizon Walker, a lot of fun, a lot of. Uh, like they get to do a lot of dipping and diving and ducking and dodging and teleporting and I moving and like shaking a, and baking. It's very laser focused on the ability to travel through planes. Like there's an ability to detect planar portals. And I can't remember the last time a planar portal showed up in any game I was in or played in. Well, guess what? Now you got a horizon walker in your campaign. So you get to add portals to your game. It's true. And then there's the monster slayer, which is very good at killing monsters as I should hope so. Monster name Slayer yeah. should probably tell you. Monster Slayer is just ultimately like very good at uh doing one thing which is they pick one dude. They're like them and a, a Monster Slayer Ranger and a Vengeance Paladin would be best friends because their day jobs are basically we pick one dude we make it difficult for them and we break that dude. Well, they've got an ability which stacks you. with um yeah. the Hunter's Mark which I feel is excellent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, they they play very similar to a Vengeance Paladin uh, in some of their play style, which is it's fun. Uh, Ranger getting an A. Mm. They they still expanded play styles. We still get like Horizon they did. Walker. I just which, don't think most of them are worth playing. Honestly, that's a personal opinion. I'm being a super Debbie Downer here, but I feel like the Horizon Walker is extremely narrow, and the Gloom Stalker is. If you're not playing in the Underdark, there's very little reason to ever play a Gloom Stalker. I would give it a B minus. Okay, fair. So we're going to talk about Rogue. And Rogue is easily the biggest disappointment of Xanathar's. Swashbuckler is from Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Mastermind is from Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Inquisitive is from an Unearthed Arcana. And Scout is from an Unearthed Arcana. And tragically, those are all the ones that were not changed. (laughs) To be fair, so if you are a rogue, if you are just a, if you are the guy who just like has the rogue banner on your wall, you know, like you've learned thieves can't in real life. If <laughs> playing rogue is like your jam, it's it's your like don't buy this book; it's free online. Or if you already have Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, that's it. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, very very little changes. Very little changes are made to everything. Um, I take that back. Scout does have like one very minor change. To one ability, but other than that, not a whole lot done to it. For that, I give the uh, I give wizards a C. I would give it a B minus as well, just because all the classes are so useful. But there's nothing new here. Although I will speak in defense of them, like there's not much to we, change. Those are good classes. Yeah, those are already a really good classes, and B, what we've got seven archetypes of rogue now. They're Yikes. they're getting close to being the same level as wizards. We yeah. can't have that. Well, it's it's hard. Like it's hard to you know name that many different ways to steal stuff from people. <laughs> sorcerers, sorcerers. They did very well with uh, divine soul. Is interesting. Gives you some healing options as a sorcerer. Kind of you know expands that sorcerer toolkit. Uh, you end up becoming an angel. You know, angel. Uh, Blood type blue detected. Anyway. Yep, you get to uh, you know become an angel. Uh, do a bunch Even of fun stuff like that. Like my, like my good old warlock? Yeah. That's warlocks, not sorcerers. Oh, yeah. might be. Beg pardon. I had a sorcerer in the game. And, uh... Not much to really say here, honestly. Not really much to say on that. They're just, they're fun. They play well. They 
they're good additions. Uh, Shadow Magic is also a very good addition, but on the opposite side, uh, they can do a bunch of really cool, creepy, spookily dookily stuff. If you're looking to play like, if if Warlock isn't evil, if Warlock isn't evil enough for you, play Shadow Sorcerer. <laughs> like that's pretty much it. Like if if you don't think you're being as evil as you can evil. Play a shadow magic sorcerer. Don't worry. You'll get there. You'll get there real quick. Um, and the last sorcerer class, and this is ultimately where I thought they kind of let us down again, was uh, we had the storm sorcery. More storm stuff. Which is also from Sword Coast Adventurers Guide. Um, which is good. It's a good class. It's a lot of fun. But it's still a reprint. Just nothing new. So a B for sorcerer. I agree with that. But they're going to bring it right on back with Warlock. Yes, the and Warlock. This is what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. So we get the Celestial Warlock, which is a Warlock powered by angels. Excellent. You don't have to play a bad guy Warlock. Now. Yeah, you can you... play a, a, a Warlock who's in, oh, I'm so tortured by my past and the forces I serve. You can play, I'm serving relatively good people who may not have the best ideas, but they want to help, and I'm trying to help. Taste an Eldritch Blast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They again. They get a bunch of healing too. They get a lot of cool, you know, cool little abilities related to being an angel and stuff. Uh, mechanically, they're very fun to play already. Uh, we have the searing vengeance ability, which again made Clint shout in a McDonald's parking lot for absolutely no reason. That lady next to you thought that we were having a lovers' quarrel in the drive-through. God damn you, Clint! Um, <laughs> again, bananas. B a n a n a s. Thank you, Gwen Stefani. So Clint, we move on to the. Yes. Um, the Hexblade, the other one they added, the other one, the other one, cursed weaponry, uh, stealing people's souls to make minions for yourself, uh, cursing people and just doing all the bad things in the Bible. It, yeah, no, Hexblade is a lot of fun. Hexblade is like, they added both a... In case you wanted to be a crueler person than a fiend warlock. Yeah, in, in case you wanted to get worse... Than a fiend warlock, you now have the hexblade. They added another great evil option, but they also gave you the celestial. So it's like, I want to be a warlock, but I also want to be a good guy. Boom, there it is. So, with that, we got wizard um, warlock really quick. Just going to give that an A. I get, it. I give it an A. Everything they add in the warlock is a good addition. Oh yeah, more expansive. Where, where's our warlord wizards? Come on, we can take it. Give it to us. And we get wizard who just get war magic. Um, I'm going to give him a B. I think it's something that's useful. I think it's like something that it's one of those things that when you're a DM and you suddenly get uh, something like this where it, you like have to kind of fluff that into your world. You're like, OK, well, I have to be aware that war magic wizards are now a thing. That means you have to either make like a division of an army that's wizards or like a certain like there's a wizard per unit or something like, like that. State alchemists. Yeah. Like you that. You have to. Do something along those lines. So I do like the addition because it makes you add to your own world. Yeah, it's the again, it's the football jocks of the Wizards College. They're still nerds, but they can shove the less, the more nerdy people into lockers. Yeah. And with that, so that's just running through the classes. Um, I'm gonna give Wizard a B. Yeah, made me happy. That's a B. Yeah. Um, a and, solid three for Wizards here in this expansion. Yeah. So overall, though, they did pretty well. Um, so guys, we're going to storm through really fast. 
everything else you get in this book. And why I personally think you should buy this book. Everything else. But just a reminder, we are sometime this week we're going to upload basically a very long shouty video to YouTube along with the rest of our video log of all of these recorded sessions that we've done um, discussing D&D. And I'm going to upload the video of me doing a Xanathar's Guide review. Yeah. So, so the other stuff, there's racial feats, which, um, again, to be a Debbie Downer, some of them are very good. Some of them are so passable I don't even remember they existed. There's none that are really terrible, but about half of them are not very uh, inspiring. The other half are excellent, and there's tons of things I can think to do with them. But just be aware that the halfling ones are not – Great. Guys, there are – if you're a fan of tables – There's so many tables. There book. are so many tables in this book. I love tables. I love rolling dice. Um, we're going to talk about like one or two of my favorite tables in this book. But really quick, can I just tell you about the Urban Encounters level one through four table? I'm listening. If you roll a natural one on a D100 for the Urban Encounters for a level one encounter, you run into one D6 cats. Doesn't sound, house ter- cat. doesn't sound terrifying. There's an angry house cat before uh, you. you. Six, six you house cats can actually kill a sizable portion of a very small town. Yes. Oh, well, six cats can kill a yes, portion that's of a town? They do. Uh, one of the jokes is that their claw in, attacks do 1d6 damage, and a commoner only has 4 HP. One of the early jokes about Dungeons and Dragons is that a cat is very likely to kill a first level character because of. The way that there's no real lower bound to damage, like like if we were to roll out three claw, if we were to roll out you two characters, yeah, if we were to roll out you two having characters against four house cats at level one, there's like a decent chance you guys might actually die to house cats. Yes. Um. Are Are there any uh, encounters you can roll where you fall into an open sewer and die? Um. No, but there. Well, there might be. There's a bunch of like random things that happen. Fall into a sewer. There is my second favorite one. Follows the cats immediately, which is if you roll a two or a three, you run into a commoner with one d six goats. Oh no! Oh no, baby! Like yeah, goats are dangerous. I got to tell you, they are, and they're pretty rude sometimes. If they're um, yeah. how much damage do they do? Uh, not not, not enough, but it's just more the idea of you know how dare you disrespect the son of a shepherd, Clint? I was uh, waiting about- for the Rolf reference. <laughs> I don't care who you are or what you say. Life has many doors, Ed boy. Rolf is the greatest animated character of all time. That's a that's a very hot take. That's that's uh, that's a you contentious run into topic. A guy with a cart full of cabbages that you could knock over. Um, actually, I think there is. Is the, cabbages. is the hat of discipline in here as well? I mean, if we're going the Rolf route, but there's also there's also like some story plotline hooks and stuff in a lot of these encounters. Um, you know, for other like sunken galleons for the underwater stuff. There is a wagon with apples that has a broken wheel that holds up traffic for urban encounters. If Solving traffic jams, truly a heroic endeavor. Yeah. Basically, if you're a DM and you feel you need more tables for encounters. Um, Xanthar's got you covered. <laughs> they're here. Okay. They are in here. There's a lot of them. There's also a bunch of interesting new rules for things like how to use the tool proficiencies that you have, like navigator's tools and painter's supplies. So they're no longer just fluff things. You've well, got things you can do with them. Well, the idea behind that, and again, we're going to share that video uh, where they talk about it, but that was left intentionally vague so that DMs would have to figure out what to do with it on their own. Um, One of our commenters points out, uh, Jacob Munson points out that granting lucky to party members is awesome. I think that was one of the It's spells. okay, but it's once a long rest. 
<laughs> like that's a hot take, Paul. Yeah, it's. I'm going to give up that plus two in dexterity for once a long rest. Somebody can reroll one roll, and it's got to be only. I thought lucky was three. Only a one. But they added, you know, like if you know, because I invented ways to use all that stuff in my game. So I've got my own system, so I don't need this chapter. But someone like Clint, you know, I know you're pretty new into developing your world and stuff, and mm-hmm. you've never really thought about stuff. So having this for you would be awesome. This would be my ultimate get out of jail free card because there are so many things in here. Like I would never in a million years think, yeah, you guys are walking through town, you run into a guy with one a commoner and goats. goats. Um, that's how you terrifying. mock the son of a shepherd. <laughs> yeah, you dare mock the son th- of a shepherd. He throws on the hat of discipline. Which gets 2d6 damage is just and, a and giant hammer. There's the life path thing, which is you can roll to see a random backstory, which is which is super cool. It's cool. Yeah, well, it's not only not only a random backstory, but every class uh, for every class for the fighters and all that stuff, um, there is three tables for each class to give you small backstory fluff. Um, is hopping this for back NPCs to or is this for players? For players. Uh-huh. So or NPCs if you really want. For example, yeah. the warlocks. Um, you can have the way your patron treats you. You can roll a D6 to see how, like, your relationship with your patron is. You know, you hot, you cold, or you Katy Perry song, or you what? Um, are you Kylo Ren and Snoke, or are you, like... What are the special good? terms of your pact? What is yep. the mark that, like, shows that you're bound to your servant? Like, one of them is uh, one of your eyes looks the same as your patron's eye. Ooh. You know, which, you know, like, say your patron's a giant fly bug monster. You know, you got the, you know, million okay, Yeah. yeah. I wonder how that works with things that have no eyes. No, immediately, immediately, what I thought yeah, about when I you were when you were talking about all those all the fluff things, like I, my mind immediately went to when I was like first preparing for the very start of the game that I'm running now. Uh, just constant, constant links and YouTube videos that I was looking at of all these different resources of tips that you can give. Oh, have a have a index card paperclip to your DM screen of NPC names so you can get them on the fly. There are what seventeen pages worth of names in here. Yeah, which is another point of contention for players because they just don't they don't think they need seventeen pages of names. Like, I don't need seventeen pages of names either. There no. are many a name generator but on I'm, the but, internet, but I'm not mad that I suddenly have 17 pages of names. They're just let's little say, extra paper. Let, let's, say, let's say your players run into an NPC and you need to come up with a name, a backstory, and a bunch of shit they real quick. They are railroading quick. you to make a friend. Uh, uh, oh, let me roll a couple of dice here real quick. Yeah, let me roll a couple of dice and let me panic and show you that I'm super not prepared for this. Or you can just be like, yep, roll a couple of dice, look at the table, and be like, yeah, this person did this, this, and this, and you can explain it to them in character as the NPC. And that is for a new DM priceless that and also you can keep track of all your npcs by actually for a new dm it's only fifty dollars at a friendly local game store oh or 30 bucks on amazon we recommend you we recommend you get it from watchtower yep because uh apparently all these special editions are sold out rest in peace but on that note what else is here because there's a big thing on traps which aren't detailed too extensively chapter on traps there's a very beautiful illustration of a man falling into a pit of spikes yeah, which I mean, um, there's some there's some in the DMG about uh, traps and things like that. But I I found when I read through it, when I was trying to like design dungeons and things like think about things like that, I still struggled. And here's one that I actually found very interesting that I'm surprised like not a lot of people have talked about. I'm trying to look it up here really quick, but there is somewhere in this book a table on both how much it would cost to create and how much the actual pricing is for magical items in 5th edition. It's, for wow. the, it's in, it's in um, what's the word, in the backstory. 
Sorry, the and the downtime thing. I mean, that's a huge struggle that I've had in my game. Um, well, magic magic item economy in general. There's, there's a reason for that, and it's because third edition had some serious problems with magic item economies. Like, I, I'm going to Hamlet. I can. They've got a sword that sells for three thousand gold, even though they probably have ten gold between them in the entire Hamlet. Yeah, the uh, yeah, just the idea that you know. So like a the somebody broke it down. That's another thing we'll share later too. There is a there's a post where somebody takes all the economy stuff in player's handbook and actually sets it up in a way that's very legible. Um, and it makes sense. Basically like the people who are making the most money in D and D typically are making about 300 gold a month. Yeah. And so to have a sword that is worth, I don't know, a hundred thousand gold, just kind of hanging up at the, you know, on the wall at yield weapon mom shop. And pop shop. Yeah. That guy could suddenly buy the kingdom if you've right. got that much money. Um, that's the local mom and pop shop that has like a 1950 and, some odd year Les Paul yeah. in the music shop. That's just like, yeah, that's like fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> but, but the thing there. is, you have to understand is that ultimately it all comes down to: Do you want magic items to be cheap or inaccessible? Comparatively speaking, do you want them to be all over the place or something rare and dangerous? And the default assumption is they were kind of all over the place in third edition. They are rare in other editions. So the, this is sort of. Uh, I hate to say it this way. It's sort of not placating, but it's showing a way that you can do it where things actually exist for you to buy. Plus, they had a bunch of tables of just how everything can go wrong, which I truly love. Um, magic item purchase complications for one is just a table I open to. But guess what? Everything can go wrong in your purchase. Um, yeah. They you add a bunch of ways. And Khajiit does not have wares if you have coin. If if you're very big on a sandbox style of gameplay, this table, like the amount of tables in this book, really facilitate that. So we got to wrap up here, um, but you know, just our summary glance of Xanathar's. It's I don't understand where a lot of the hatred's coming from. Yeah, again, you can already look at the bare bones of most of these unearthed arcana classes, but they've been polished, they've been neatened up, they've been made more effective. I haven't seen one where it's just like, wow, what were they thinking? Yeah, one where they turned it down unless it needed to be like where it was already like, whoa, that was powerful. <laughs> um, they did not turn down Swashbuckler for some reason, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> Don't you mess with my Swashbuckler. Um, but it's got a lot of things for game masters. The For the players, there's a whole bunch of character options, and that's great. But about half the book is for game masters, and it's very useful for that. Yeah. I would recommend it. It's it's a very quality buy. Uh, the last thing that we didn't really get to spend a lot of time on, but again, it's very useful for players who also have a hard time coming up with like a backstory or you're embarrassed of – I've had several players who are just, you know, like embarrassed of coming up with like a very serious backstory. You know, it's, it's kind of like reading your own poetry. You know, you don't want to do it live. I get it. Um, the This Is Your Life series of tables allows you to roll up very interesting NPCs. It's there's also a great a, thing for any player or DM to have. Go on, Paul. There's a section on what you're doing in your downtime, too, that's quite useful because I find that uh, it's it's something that's kind of been neglected. It's in other games. Like, it's in Hunter, and it's in Vampire, and it's in Werewolf, and it's in a bunch of other games. Is This is what you're doing in your downtime when you're not busy being a player character because you don't want to say, okay, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to put my pants on. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to role play eight hours of working. 
I'm going to sharpen my sword for the entire time I'm I'm literally just sharpening my daggers for nine hours. And I do not mean that in a nasty way. I mean that in a slicing. All right, guys. So we got a bunch of stuff to share to you. Uh, We're going to share you the uh, under... What are we going to give out? We got the... The monk... Your table. (coughs) No. No. We got the monk rework for Way of the Four Elements uh, that we found the homebrew. Uh, which I'd like to get in touch with the author of that. Tried to track him down. Didn't go so well, but I had very limited time to do so. Um, we've also got um, – we're going to do a full comprehensive video. Like we're going to go through everything in Xanathar's. Try to do it quick. I'm going to have that up on YouTube here in a couple of days. We're also going to share uh, – what was the final thing we said we'd share? I don't remember, I'm afraid. Hmm. Yell at us in the comments. So we yeah, yell comment. at us in the comments. Uh, Jason Gervais' third edition also had flesh to salt economy. Yes, that was sounds- a – Spookily. He's not wrong. There are some <laughs> serious problems. Hold on. I'm going to make 80,000 masterwork daggers and sell them all at a net profit. Hold on. There's the time for crafting things is based on how expensive it was. Let me just turn this entire forest into clubs, which cost nothing instantaneously. All right. Well, we'll end this one on a joke. No, because you know what the best way of making money in third edition was? I'm going to buy 200 ladders and I'm going to split them in half into 10 foot poles and sell both those. And for s- a net because profit. 10 foot poles are worth more than 10 foot ladders. And that's why you need to build a wrestling character so you can have a tables, ladders, and chairs, man. Yes. So, all right. With that, everybody, I'm Jake. I'm Paul. I'm Clint. And I am the disembodied voice. There's certainly that. Spooky. Have a good week, guys. Hope to hear from you soon. We'll see you next week.